the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is brought to you by The Athletic. For sports fans, there's no better place for powerful stories about all the major sports and all the minor sports than The Athletic. Download the app, personalize it with your favorite teams and leagues. You get exclusive ad-free content at your fingertips. For all this and plenty, plenty more, visit theathletic.com slash track for 40% off your first year subscription today. That's theathletic.com slash track. Happy Sunday. My name is Mike Giannetti. I'm going to bounce around a little bit here with some uh, topical news. Daniel Jones, first out of the gate, the New York Giants. Um, bit of a contract conversation, more of a long-term conversation. Should be a short-term conversation, as you'll hear me mention in a minute here. And then Aaron Rodgers. Not, not about trades, not about where is he going to land, not about what's he going to do. We got some pretty good Sunday hot stove stuff from Aaron Rodgers today, or at least from the, from the people around Aaron Rodgers who think that, uh, you know, it's not enough that he was the MVP and it's not enough that he's about to sign a huge contract somewhere. And it's not enough that he's going to be able to play wherever he wants to play this year. But he needs more, as you will uh, hear me break down. And I'm going to tell you why I think what was said today is the wrong approach. There's another number that we should be focusing on. That's uh, in the middle of this show. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are having a lot of bad luck right now. Certainly the Tom Brady stuff was not in their favor. Um, they already had a laundry list of free agents, which I break down a little bit here, but a random left guard retirement after seven years. Ali Marpet decides to hang him up, put some dead cap on their books and leave them another offensive lineman light for the 2022 season. I'll break down the impact of that on their roster for 2022 and for forward. And then uh, I finally do it. I finally break the silence and get to Major League Baseball a little bit at the back end of this show. Some notable notes. You know, I've been compiling this stuff and reading as much as possible, but honestly, I've been trying to stay away a little bit too because A, I want a final answer. I want to be able to just break down this new CBA, dive into the legalese and understand what the hell happened here. And B, I just want baseball. <laughs> I want to be able to watch baseball, not have to sit here on Twitter and kind of understand what the hell's going on with, the front offices and the leagues and the players association and things like that. But it's part of the gig. I do break down some of the notable notes here uh, from the draft lottery, some of the compensation going back and forth, the CBT and uh, the playoffs and what I think about where that should be headed in terms of major league baseball. Daniel Jones and the New York giants in the news for many reasons right now, new coach, new GM, the works, new regime. And obviously the quarterback conversation comes to the front with a fifth-year option decision due in May. And based on things that I think are about to happen, a chance to upgrade from him. The conversation is about a fifth-year option, though, with Daniel Jones is, is interesting until you start to really crunch the numbers. Not the number it's going to cost them, but the success rate or non-success rate of extending, exercising the option, and then seeing what happens the year after versus declining the option, and then where does this player go from there? And sure, there's some psychological side to it. You know, if you've given up on a player, essentially, which is what the decline somewhat indicates, then that's a, that's a tough mountain for that player, especially at the quarterback position who needs all the confidence in the world, self-induced and certainly from the exterior as well. I can, I can spit out all the numbers you want here. Um, I'm just going to tell you, we don't have a surefire 
guaranteed guy who has been exercised, has not been extended, but then resuscitated his career somewhere else. There's a chance that Jameis Winston can be that player if he returns to New Orleans and has some some kind of success here. There's a chance. Um, you know, Teddy Bridgewater had a pretty good run there in terms of keeping himself afloat. He still may be a starting quarterback this year for one of these, these needy teams, but he was declined because of the injury in Minnesota. Mitchell Trubisky was declined in Chicago and is looking to resuscitate his career this offseason, possibly with this Giants team, by the way. But the track record for exercised, not extended, moved along there, you know, changed teams once or twice, and then finally finally found the right spot. It, it's just not there in the past 20 years. It's just not there. And to me, that makes everything super simple. And I understand the gap between the fifth-year option and the franchise tag. I get it. But if you have any qualms, and I understand this is a new regime. They're going to have to take some real time here. But if, you have, if, if you're even thinking, eh, $21 million, you know, $21.3 million, whatever it's going to be here, you've already decided. <laughs> okay? Because if that's the kind of confidence you, the lack of confidence you have in the player, the most important position on your roster, then go and upgrade it. It's not like there's not options. There's, they're all over the place. You may not you know, win the battle for Aaron Rodgers. You may not win the battle for Russell Wilson. I think you have a legitimate chance to win a battle for Russell Wilson with your draft assets and some defensive players that can move back, maybe even Saquon Barkley. I, I think that's the way to go with this. Go change it. They may change it with Mitchell Trubisky, which would be unbelievably ironic with this discussion because Trubisky went down then all the way down to a, basically a minimum contract to back up Josh Allen. And now is going to follow that offensive coordinator slash now head coach, I would think, to the Giants, compete for a chance. The conversation is this. And by the way, this has changed for those of you out there who haven't followed the recent CBA. May 3rd, there is a decision on these fifth-year options. For Daniel Jones, it'll be 21 change, 21.3 million. If they exercise, the second they do so, it's fully guaranteed across the board. It's his. So that's where Sam Darnold is. That's where Baker Mayfield is. That's where Lamar Jackson is. We know how this works now. So that's a tough decision because, you know, $21 million is a, is a tough trade. That's a tough sell for a player who's probably going down, not up at that point if things stay the way they are. I, I tend to like Daniel Jones. So I don't I don't mean to be crushing the player here. I just think if this kind of stuff is swirling already and and none of this is coming from the internals, let's be perfectly honest. They have to do their due diligence on this entire roster over the next three weeks here before what what could be drastic changes at this position as well. But I like the player. I think he's in the wrong time slot for this team. You know, Gettleman really piled in some bad contracts with some decent contracts, but a lot of, there's a lot of drudge there that I think this new regime has to give up. I think Joe Shane has a lot of work over there. Um, some, not, not unlike what Buffalo had to go through four years ago, five years ago, when they had some really bad contracts that were really anchoring this thing down. I think that's where the Giants are. Now, with that said, I like a lot of what's on, on that roster right now. So dropping Russell onto this team, 
which is a clear upgrade in my opinion, despite what we saw last year at times, I think that would be a decent move in that division right now to push. If you're going to change this position, if you're not, if you're going to let Daniel Jones kind of go through these motions and, and try to find his legs and have a healthy 2022, then just let him play out his contract. The franchise tag projects to about 29 million in 2023. That's subject to change, of course. So you're talking about an eight to $9 million increase. If you decline the, the fifth year and you end up having a franchise tag him, that's fine. But, 29 million in the grand scope of things. I mean, let's be perfectly frank about what we're dealing with here. If Daniel Jones is extension worthy, right? And we're talking about a $230 million salary cap next year, 29 million is less than 13% of that salary cap. I mean, you know, that path would be taking you into Ryan Tannehill mode because let's just say that that franchise tag now becomes his valuation, 30 million. You're still, that's still going to be nine tenths in the league. 15th in the league at that point in time after Lamar signs, who knows with Baker, Derek Carr gets the new contract, Rodgers gets the new, you know, the works. 30 million is going to be middle of the road here for starting quarterbacks. Now, Daniel Jones may not be a top 15 quarterback, in which case you would just let him walk. And that might be the problem at hand. Do you want this guy under contract so that there's at least the option to trade him for something? You know, will Sam Darnold and his 18.9 million be tradable at 10 million? Will Caroline have to eat 8 million of that to get him out the door and get some kind of draft compensation back? Is that, is that what we're talking about here? Possibly, you know, a lot of teams really do value that draft, you know, as much as ever. And rightfully so. There are some teams that just have to go that route. I don't necessarily think the Giants should be one of those teams. I think they relied much too heavily on some of those draft picks at times. And they look, they went way too big on Daniel Jones. That's, there's no question. And I think the, the Trubisky comparisons are incredible. <laughs> um, so if Trubisky ends up taking this job this year, I guess there's hope, right? I guess there's hope. You can fall the way down, fall into the right situation from a backup role or from a rock bottom role and claw your way back to at least a competitive standpoint, which that's probably the hope with Trubisky right now. But to me, it's as simple as if you're already wavering, you've already decided. Let this thing expire. Get yourself to a situation where, you know, you can make a decision about Daniel Jones as a free agent in 2023, one year from now. Because then it's in your control if you want to go find somebody else. It's in your control. If you want to bring somebody big in, if one of the big fish end up, what if Russell ends up leaving next year, not this year? Certainly possible. He's got two years left in his contract. Next year, it's going to be about money specifically, not just how bad the offensive line might be or how much they want to run the ball versus, you know, let him cook. I, I'd sit, I, I would let this walk. I would let this walk. And if you have to bring him back in a franchise tag and then eventually extend him, the 30 million isn't scaring me. It's not. You know, these tags are, are values for a lot of these positions and no bigger at the quarterback position. So to me, it's already decided in my opinion now that they're probably going to go ahead and exercise this thing and, and take the Baker path. And uh, look, the Baker and the, and the Sam Darnold stuff over the next couple of weeks is going to be a really good eye test for the Giants here to understand just how stuck these teams might be versus 
you know, and it, by the way, it's a perfect storm situation for those those two two players specifically of those organizations because alongside of Baker Mayfield's eighteen and nine, eighteen million, Sam Darnold's eighteen million, you have Carson Wentz's fifteen million, you have Jared Goff's fifteen million plus another fifteen coming. So there's there's more baggage at the quarterback position, but that can benefit. What if it's a simple swap for one of those players? I think that's going to happen. Tampa Bay is going to have to do something here, even though they're sliding backwards from a roster standpoint. You know, and then the Bridgewater, so like I said, outright declined, was able to kind of find his way on teams that he chose, New Orleans to start, and go from there. I, I just think that's the best path for Daniel Jones, too. You know, if getting out of the Giants organization, even after next year, is what he wants, are we seeing fifth-year options be traded left and right? We're not. We're not. You know, and Blake Bortles is, a, is kind of the, the risky example of this whole situation in Jacksonville where they had that one big run on his fifth-year option. They ended up extending him to three years, and they ate a lot of that 18 months later. They ate a lot of that because the wheels fell off. It wasn't a true, true, we're ready to take that step forward. And I'd be wary of that if I were the Giants, because like I said, there's a good portion of that roster that I think is dead weight right now from a contract standpoint. So to me, I'm out. I'm out. And I'm starting from scratch here, whether that's with, with one of these draft picks this year, whether I'm trading out of one of these draft picks this year to, to amplify my draft compensation next year, which I think is a pretty smart move. I'm just going to let him ride out this contract. And if he proves us wrong, we'll pay for it. We will literally pay cash for it. <laughs> and. uh and, we'll, and if not, we'll try again. And there's going to be free agents. There's going to be trade availability. There's going to be draft options, which there really aren't this year. It's a better year next year to make these decisions. So don't lock yourself in to a quarterback you're already wavering about, hypothetically speaking, and $21 million fully guaranteed. All right, I promise this isn't a quarterback-only episode, but the Aaron Rodgers stuff has changed course, what, every three days now? Some from him specifically and some from the rumor mills. And the flavor this morning when I woke up for a cup of coffee was Aaron Rodgers needs 50 million a year or Aaron Rodgers is worth 50 million a year. And what if there was no salary cap? How much would Aaron Rodgers be making? And what if there's no, no luxury tax in basketball and maximum contract? How much would LeBron James be making? These are all awesome questions, except for they're not realistic. Okay, <laughs> they're just not realistic. And you can say, you know, Aaron Rodgers has been worth 40 million for, for 10 years you know, based on what he's done and his MVPs and carried his roster and lack of first round depth around him, whatever. He's a hell of a player. I'm not saying he's not worth it, but we don't value players on their own because this isn't an individual sport. We value players in a team standpoint with a hard cap in mind, mathematically speaking, it's part of the math, the hard cap, and we value them against other quarterbacks who also have a hard cap. So Aaron Rodgers may be great, from a percentage standpoint, he is X percentage better than 99% of the quarterbacks in the league. And that doesn't mean he goes from 46 million Patrick Mahomes to 50 million Aaron Rodgers just because he looks better doing it or he has MVPs. Because he certainly doesn't have the rings to back up 50 million. I mean, if that were the case, Ben Roethlisberger should have, be made, should have made $50 million. It's a whole package. You can't just be sitting in a vacuum here and saying, look, this guy's been great for so long, and now he's still great at 37, another MVP season. And 
He's trying to get the hell out of Green Bay, and it's going to take a lot to keep him, so you have to overpay for him. But we think he's worth 50 anyway. Fine. 50 is 50. I'm telling you right now, there's no need to go more than 46. 46 is the new number. But here's the other argument I'm going to give you. And you've heard me say this before, and I apologize if I'm complaining a lot. We have to stop with this average salary stuff. I understand. I'm, I'm big on lists too. I like them. They're, they make for nice tweets. They look pretty from a formatting standpoint. They're nice. And I like to be able to put things in context as much as possible. But this is just a marketable number. It just is. Nobody's making what their actual average salary is, ever. I, we, in fact, we added the adjusted or the actual active AAV. It bounces around so much, it's ridiculous. Because this stuff is fluid. Cash is fluid. Cap is fluid. You're tacking on years to existing years. You know, these aren't exactly, you know, Aaron Rodgers' four-year extension. Well, that's a six-year contract because he signed it with two years left on his previous deal. So you're looking at a six-year contract on our website right now that says four years, $134 million, which is $33.5 million a year. Except for, guess what? He never made that. <laughs> never. Because he, he got a gigantic signing bonus. All right? And the cash flow was heavy up front, really heavy up front. You know, 103 over three years. And then from there, it dropped off. It dropped off. You know, he's making 22 last year, 27 this year, not 33, certainly not 50. It's just the nature of these contracts. It's not like baseball and like hockey and like basketball, where it's just a, you know, years divided by value and whatever you have to do from there, that's the average salary. There's some decreasing contracts and some increasing contracts. And that's the, as creative as things get in those sports. You know, in fact, basketball has 5% increases or 8% increases based on your abilities. So it's, it's way more formatted and formulaic in these other sports. It couldn't be more polar opposite in the NFL. Everything is discombobulated. Everything is everywhere. That's why I spend 85% of my time on this sport because I'm constantly having to track down the rat race here. I'm tr constantly having to understand Okay, that restructure did these four things, adjusted these four caps. The dead cap now sits here. So the new line of demarcation on this contract is here. That also adjusted the flow. It's just a constant battle. And Roger's situation is no different. He has one year left at 27 million, 27 and a half million cash. There's 27 million of dead cap that's, if they do sign him, has to transfer over. So I'm telling you right now, if he signs for a new contract at 50 million a year, his cap hit the start without even adding any new cash, without even adding cash to the equation. His cap hit in 2022, just by rolling over the current contract, is 19.1 million. That's the dead cap in this year that has to roll into next year. And then in 2023, there's already 7.6 million that has to go there. It doesn't just go away, it transfers over and it stays year by year. So it's 19.1 to start with Aaron Rodgers' cap hit in 2022. So yeah, you can throw a $70 million signing bonus onto that. And that may be how they go. That's how they've gone before with Rodgers. And then there's tons more dead cap over the next five years. And yes, you can say, all right, there's one year left. So we're going to extend him two years at hundred million. Technically speaking, because my, you know, our site and the NFL PA says new year's new money is how we how we track the aav and logistics and things like that and the guarantees so technically speaking if they tack on 100 million dollars of cash to the 27.5 million it'll be a three-year 127.5 million dollar contract 
but a two-year $100 million extension. And he can have his $50 million, and, and the agent and him can go and puff their chests out and say, we got our first $50 million man. And that's great for like an hour and a half on Twitter. But it's not realistic. <laughs> it's just not realistic. That's not how this stuff works. The only, the only thing that really matters, and in Roger's case, I think it's an even conflated conversation, is the initial guarantees. The second I sign this contract, what am I 100% going to guarantee as long as I don't screw up off the field and void my guarantees? What is that number? So if I were to tell you that the number right now is Josh Allen at $100 million and $38,000, just over $100 million, Josh Allen has fully guaranteed the second he signed his contract in Buffalo. Ironically speaking, right? It's right at the number we think Aaron Rodgers deserves to get as a community now. So if you're telling me that Aaron Rodgers signs a two-year, $101 million extension, fully guaranteed, now we're onto something. Because that's what I think, that's a puff your chest out moment. That's a real big boy contract in this league that doesn't do that kind of stuff. Right? That's big money. It's probably stupid money for a franchise that is in cap hell is going to have to cut a couple of defensive players just and maybe their kicker just to get this thing back to normal. But, you know, Kirk Cousins hit the open market and got three years, $84 million fully guaranteed. $28 million a year. He earned every dollar of it. And then he tacked on another two years, 66, guaranteed. I mean, that's, that's big boy stuff right there. You can love or hate Kirk Cousins, but he can, he's going to destroy you at the bank. He's going to crush you there. And Rodgers has always done that. Rodgers has had heavily front-loaded cash contracts with AAVs that tip the scales because that's what some people care about. You know, and his cash flow has been weird later because he expects to constantly extend. Except for now, we don't even know if he wants to be here anymore. So does it make sense that you have to throw this gigantic offer at Aaron Rodgers? I guess. I guess. But I think the Packers organization as a whole should say, this is our number. This is the guarantee structure. If we want to be here, come and sign it. Otherwise, let's work on a trade immediately. And certainly that's what's been happening. Okay, they're not negotiating on Twitter like we're trying to. This is happening right now. There's been an offer. There's probably been three offers from the Packers to Aaron Rodgers. And he is simply saying, I don't know what I need, want to do yet. Okay? I, you know, maybe he has. Maybe he's already trying to, to, to discuss deals with other teams. And by the way, he's discussing contracts with other teams. It's not just the, it's not just the trade compensation. It's not just the landing spot. It's what am I going to get paid when I get there? That's part of this. That's the wink, wink part of this. So it matters whether he stays or goes, the contract stuff. He's not going to be playing on this $27 million, in my opinion. Um, that's not good for anybody. Certainly not good for Green Bay because that can void afterwards. And then you get yourself into the Tom Brady situation. So the $50 million is fine. And it's a great number for everybody to toss around on a Sunday afternoon because it's round, easy, it's big. It's Clearly bigger than Patrick Mahomes' number. You know, I'm not sure Lamar is going to approach that this offseason. So it, it would be the big-time contract of the offseason. And it still may be. Denver could do this too, by the way. Because they're going to acquire the $27.5 million and say, look, we're going to puff this out two years and we're going to fully guarantee $101 million, which is the actual number that people should care about. Guaranteed at signing. Not even total guarantees. Not even practical guarantees. 
because there's ways out of that, as you're going to see over the next couple of weeks with tons of players who have some kind of guarantee that locks in March 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, that they're going to get released before that to avoid that guarantee. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. That is not a guaranteed at signing number. That is a practical guarantee that something has to happen. A trigger date has to happen before the guarantee locks in. Marty Cooper has that coming up in Dallas, by the way. 20 to $20 million salary, March 20th, I believe. So that's why he's speculative on the trade block. Not the cut block, the trade block. Because he's in the last year of his guarantees. There is a trigger date. It's not a full guarantee yet. So I expect big numbers because we, we've always seen that with Rodgers. I don't expect a Brady or a Breeze situation. But I'd love for the focus to turn to the 101 instead of the 50. All right, speaking of Tom Brady, got news today that Ali Marpet, the left guard for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for the past seven seasons, has retired suddenly, um, which made me go back to a, a tweet I did a few weeks ago and referenced the situation for 2022 for this Buccaneers roster because, you know, you can talk about the fact that Brady's gone and that's a still halfway decent roster, and there, there is. The, 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 the players that are there are still names. You know, Mike Evans, Lamonte David, Shaq Barrett. The problem is there's a lot of players who aren't there right now, contractually speaking, a lot, like a legendary amount. So one year ago, you know, next week, we were talking about the fact that they ran it all back. All 22 were back. And it was unprecedented in that regard. I'm going to run through this real quick. Quarterback, retired. Top two running backs headed for free agency. Second wide receiver, Godwin, free agency. Top two tight ends. Gronkowski and Howard, free agency. Left tackles locked in for a couple of years. Left guard just retired. Center free agency. Right guard free agency. Right tackle locked in for a couple of years. So your bookends are there. That's good. That's good for the quarterback who's going to take the reins here. Your bookends on the defensive side of the ball, both headed for free agency. Your edge rusher, Jason Pierre-Paul, free agency. Your starting big cornerback, Carlton Davis. Free agency, possibly a franchise tag. And the safety next to him, free agency. <laughs> there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine of 22 players under contract who were notable starters last year. Nine. That's it. And if you're saying they bring back Leonard Fournette, you know, they bring back Gents in the center, that's fine. But the quarterback situation is still TBD. So I'm not sure it makes sense to push a ton here. We could get to a point here pretty damn quickly where Mike Evans is saying, get me the hell out of here. I mean, he's, he's quasi in, in extension category anyway, especially if they bring Goblin back on a big contract, which now it seems, I, I, I don't know. I, if, I'm, if I'm sitting in that front office right now, the identity of the roster is terrifying. And you have to make a bold decision one way or the other. We're in or we're out. I, I don't think there's a middle ground here with this team. Now, you could, you could claim that they can stay middle of the road because of the Saints situation because the rest of that division, you know, Carolina, who knows at any position, who knows? And then the Falcons could be in a pretty damn good spot here, honestly, with the stability of Ryan and a year of Kyle Pitts under their belt. But still, that's not a scary team. This still might be a decent team if they land a halfway decent quarterback. You know, I've, I've been jokingly saying Carson Wentz could fall here and it wouldn't be the worst thing ever. I still believe that. I still believe that because, like I said, you might just need somebody to just to stand there and do something right 80% of the time if you bring back the running back and, 
and go from there. But this is a big retirement today. This is just another notch on this un unprecedented turnover that, again, all 22 back last year, 9 of 20, 20, 22 locked in now. So easily the most fascinating team to watch this offseason. You know, not named Green Bay with Rodgers, but I feel like that's going to resolve itself pretty quickly here. And then it's going to turn to what happens. Do they nickel and dime this thing back together? Do they go and take a swing for a quarterback like Garoppolo or Wentz? Or are they truly going to start going backwards and maybe move some of those defensive contracts that they made with a Barrett or with a David? And, uh, and just, uh, just rip this thing up a couple of years, you know, two years after the Super Bowl, which, by the way, it was totally worth it. <laughs> okay. It was totally worth it. And, you know, there are 30 other franchises that would take this in a heartbeat. But it's quickly how, thing, how, how quickly this, uh, this ripped apart. And it's because you brought in a 44 year old quarterback. But something to keep an eye on. I'm not saying they're going to completely rip the bandaid off and trade everybody. But there's a bit of a player empowerment out there. So I would keep Mike Evans on people's radar here for sure in terms of this roster and, and where it's headed over the next month and a half or so. All right, and finally, I've been reluctant to bring this conversation up, but it feels like we're getting somewhere here. And I'm not going to break down every little tidbit about the Major League Baseball negotiations, but you know, this is where my heart kind of lives. So part of this has been, I really don't want to put out misinformation that's going to get changed when the final offer comes through anyway. But also, I don't really want to talk about baseball right now because it's making me miserable, especially when I should be knee deep in transactions and contract extensions and trades and all sorts of things. And I can barely look at the, at the sport right now. All right. The positives that I think are headed in the right direction, that I think we're going to get to the finish line on a couple of things. I'll keep this brief. The draft lottery is phenomenal. And I, I want to give, you know, we're not there yet. It's not a finalized thing, not even close. So, but the, the, the details of it are in such a good direction. I feel like the NFL is just going to rip it off. I really do. So it's basically a seven pick lottery that's being proposed, a top seven um, for the 18 non-playoff teams, assuming, well, could be 16, assuming what, what happens with the expanded playoff conversation, which I'll get to in a second here. But, you know, it's a percentage-based system like the NBA has, you know, a ping-pong ball type system. But they split this conversation up for the teams that pay into revenue sharing and the, and the teams that get the revenue sharing. You know, your Dodgers versus your Orioles here, let's be frank. Um, if you pay, if you're a big payer, if you're the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Red Sox, if you're up there and you over the th over over four straight years or two to between two to four straight years, if you continue to pay, you will continue to do well. All right. But if you dip, if those teams decide to tank, they, if they decide to pull a, a Boston Red Sox a couple of years ago where they ripped it up completely off, you will not be eligible for those tops, those top lottery picks. So even though you may maybe have a 1% chance of getting up there into the top three, it won't even be possible for you to get there. If you pay into the revenue sharing, if you're the Red Sox, and you finish bottom 12 for four straight years, you're going to get the 18th pick that following year. If you finish bottom eight for two straight years, you can't be a top 10 pick. I love this. 
I love this because they're identifying the fact that there are teams that pay and there are teams that don't. Don't even be shy about it. Like let's let's say with this, let's start to identify and have a, an actual identity for this sport. It is not a 30, 30 team, you know, all in, all with the same chances, all with the same platform situation. It's not. Nor is it from a television standpoint, which is where the money comes from, which is where I'll get to the playoffs. But I love this. I think you are accepting who you are. You are still rewarding the bad teams or the lower paid teams or the, you know, the smaller market teams as much as possible. You know, they may get bounced around a little bit. You know, the pirates may not get that top pick or that, uh, or or the Orioles may not get the top pick, even though they're at the bottom of the standings every year. So that's going to change, but I like that. And by the way, it's a good TV show, right? The lottery is a good show. Um, There's intrigue, there's drama. This had to happen. This is going to get to the finish line. I'm I'm pretty positive about this. The other thing that I think is going to go away now, there's, there's concessions, of course, but the qualifying offer situation, where if you sign one of these stud qualifying offered players, Carlos Correa, what are they, you know, these kind of guys, and you have to forfeit a top first round pick. So, so pay this guy $300 million and give him a first round pick next year. That's what, that's what signing Carlos Correa in March right now does for you. That's got to stop. That's ridiculous. You can't be fighting for money as a player, but also have this thing tagged, basically a franchise tag tagged to you at the same time. That's ridiculous. Either build in the franchise tag system like the NFL has, which they should not do. That's ridiculous. That's, that's what arbitration is for, essentially. Or let these guys go out there, make their money, make the money that they should make without any kind of compensation built into it, and go from there. And if you don't want those guys to go out there and, and get big contracts, then extend them yourself, right? I mean, there's tons of time for you to homegrown these players into the players you want them to be and to build your roster around these superstars, you know, sign them. And if they don't want to be here, then you have to figure, then they go to plan B. But the draft compensation tied to these massive players is ridiculous. And it's, it's made free agency an absolute dumpster fire. So that's got to get to the finish line. However, that is currently attached from, from a league standpoint to expansive playoffs to the 14 teams. And the league wants a 12. Excuse me. The Players Association wants a 12-team playoff. The league wants a 14-team playoff. Again, you got to understand who you are here at Major League Baseball. You're not the NFL. And by the way, they're expanding too. And they're going to continue to expand because it's massive TV. Now, baseball's not massive TV, but the ratings were great for this recent postseason. Great. I did a whole show on it. They were great. From baseball's perspective, they were great. And it wasn't your Yankees in there. It wasn't your Red Sox in there, right? They were great. This has to change, all right? The NBA figured this out quite a while ago, that it isn't about how many teams are there or how, how we're reducing the regular season down to what, you know, peanuts. You know, who, who's going to care about watching a Thursday night TNT game now if, you know, 60% of the league gets in. And by the way, now there's a play-in system, basically March Madness. Yeah, guess what? (laughs) It's the middle of February, and we're all talking about the play-in teams in the NBA. One of them because it's LeBron James and the Lakers, but we would be anyway. We'd be talking about the superstar players who are either outside the playoffs, Trey Young, or on the fringe, LeBron James, or just in Kevin Durant. Because that's a superstar league. And so is Major League Baseball. And they refuse to take this route. They refuse to identify the fact that we know people by their name 
more than we know who they play for. Now I know I know you know a lot more than the average baseball fan because I care about it. I, I watch it. I'm the guy watching the Mets at, on a Thursday when they're on the West Coast and the game starts at 11 o'clock. I'm watching that game. Okay, I'm I'm in the 0.05 percent. I get that. But if you asked a non-baseball fan if they knew who Mike Trout was, there's a likelihood they would say yes. If you ask that same non-baseball fan which team Mike Trout played for, there would be a much lower rate of of correct answer. (laughs) Okay? And by the way, they would probably say the California Angels before they'd say the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, which is just another thing, but I'm not going to get This is a superstar league. It has to be. So take the draft pick compensation away from the superstars. Let them go sign for their big contract so that they get into the the news more and, and try to compete with this NFL in January and February, who have dominated for 12 months now, let them go out there and, and promote your league with big money. And at the same time, please get them in the freaking playoffs. I don't care if they're the 10th seed, get them in, get Mike Trout into October, however it takes. And by the way, I'm, I'm yelling at the players association here, but I, I think the league is right in this. One. I think the league is actually saying, we have to do this. We have to follow basketball's model because if injuries rack up, right? If the, if, if the Dodgers get injured all year long, which they were last year, you know, and if, what if they needed help? They weren't going to win their division. They needed help to get in. We, we need them in. Okay, they paid a ton of money from a payroll standpoint. We need them in October from a league standpoint. It's just too important. You can't screw around with parity right now. You're going to have parity going to have teams that figure it out from a draft standpoint and pull a Cincinnati Bengals situation and get to the promised land. It's going to happen. You're still going to have that. But you have to let your superstar players play at the most important time, especially for your TV ratings. They have to be there. When they're not, they become absolute useless because nobody is watching Mike Trout on a Friday. Nobody is. Okay? They're at parties. They're at barbecues. You're competing with summer, which is the worst. It's why the NFL doesn't do it. it. This has to happen. So those are the three things I'm going to talk about. I think the draft lottery is a home run. They're probably going to tinker some more things out there, and the percentages are going to go a little differently. But it looks really good. By the way, top three, the, the three worst teams in the league all get a 15% chance to get that top spot. It's a little different than hockey, a little different than basketball. Three teams get a 15% chance. That's what we know about from the recent proposal. So I really think because of the details we know about it, I really think that's going to the ground floor. That's going to get done. I think the qualifying offer compensation is gone. To me, that sounds like a done deal. But the, the PA is going to have to go to 14 playoff games. And, and this is the conversation I want them to be having. Okay, If we've got superstars on bad teams, we have to give them every chance possible to be playing September and October baseball. Every chance possible. And if they get slaughtered in the first round, fine. At least we had more eyeballs on them. And we can talk about them and promo them and get them into things and market them as much as possible. Because you can market them in February. And we all kind of believe, you know, we we all find hope in February. But by May 1st, many of these guys are into the oblivion, into the 162 oblivion. So I, I really think that that has to get to the floor. There's plenty more to come. Minimum salaries, the CBT, which is, man, 
the numbers we've seen between the PA and the league on the CBT on the on the bat, on the ta- the tax numbers, they're like thirty million apart. So I have to think this is Sunday when I'm recording this. I have to think that the majority of the four or five sessions they had today were were surrounding those specific numbers and maybe some sort of compromise because they were just miles away. My take is, you know, my take. Let the Dodgers spend what they're going to spend. Let them spend it. The revenue split sharing is going to trickle down. There will be some help for those smaller teams in that regard. But let the big boys spend. Get yourself into a, a, a Premier League model where you have four or five teams that continually choose to spend. And there are going to be years in and out where some of those mid-market, small market teams are going to say, it's our time to spend. Right? The Padres just went through that a little bit. The, Mar- the Miami Marlins have shown us. The Tampa Bay Rays have shown us at times it's time to go. The Braves did it for a, for a certain degree last year. You're going to have it. They're going to be able to pick their spots. But, you know, let's not hold back the big boys anymore. Let them go. And if they sign all the, con- all the major contracts and they're loading up on super teams, then in four or five years when we can renegotiate this thing, then we'll clamp down a little bit. But let's just open it up and see what the hell happens here. Maybe you can revive a, a fan base. Maybe you can revive some of this social media stuff that you're getting killed on. You know, and make it marketable. Manchester United ain't a, ain't, they're not scarce for tweets. Let's put it that way. Everybody's talking about them constantly. Manchester City, constantly. Liverpool, constantly. Okay. Even if you don't follow soccer or football, whatever the hell you call it, wherever the hell you are, you know who these teams are because they spend money, <laughs> because they constantly try to get the best players all the time, every year. Let's just let the Dodgers and Yankees and, and Red Sox be those teams. Let's let it happen. And if it's a huge fail, then we'll work on compressing it in four to five years. But that's my take on this DBT. All right. My thanks to The Athletic. Plenty of stories here, by the way, on the uh, Major League Baseball updates. More than I'm willing to read through at this point in time because I, I just want a final answer as to where we're going and when spring training is going to start. But certainly The Athletic is going to be covering that for you. Visit theathletic.com slash track. Get 40% off your first year subscription. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Giannetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Track Podcast.